Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Alf Molinas, who's the CEO of Foodraiser. Hi, Alf. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Simon. Good. So you are Spanish, but live in Singapore. Is that correct? Correct. So um, two two very different cultures collide there. So tell us a bit about yourself, uh, Alf, how you kind of got from Spain to Singapore and got involved with Foodraiser. Sure. So I've, I'm originally from Spain, but throughout my life, I've been jumping around. Uh, I've lived in the UK, I've lived in the US, in Japan and Hong Kong. And after finishing my MBA at INSEAD in Singapore, I joined this startup. The, the original founder was stepping down, and that was a great opportunity for me to take the reins of a very promising startup and take it to the next stage of growth. And tell us more about what Foodraiser does, though. So what, what things do you set out to help? How do you support businesses in kind of the, the food industry? So Foodraiser helps restaurants, specifically SMEs, uh, so smaller restaurants with, say, one, two, three, maybe five outlets, with the their back-of-house operational efficiencies. Specifically, we're obsessed with the invoices between vendors and the restaurants. So typically, the story that we see, the image that we see is the restaurant manager, the accountant, the chef. At the end of the day, they just have this massive stack of uh, paper invoices from all their different suppliers. And that data needs to go to the to their accounting software. So how are they putting this data up there? They're doing it manually. They're putting it on some Excel spreadsheet, taking a lot of time, you know, may, likely to make mistakes, putting it off because it's not really something that chefs particularly want to be doing um, or, or restaurant managers. It's a pain, right? And so what we do is we make that a lot easier. So just with the... Uh, snap of a picture, forwarding uh, any uh, digital invoices or any uh, electronic invoices that you have, uploading a PDF, it comes up onto our platform, very simple, and we scan that those invoices on an item-per-item item basis, push that straight to the accounting software, and provide a series of reports and, and different types of data analytics on our platform. And so what this does is, of, of course, it... it frees up a lot of time for the um, whoever is normally handling the invoices. So that's time that can be spent doing something else of value, you know, uh, thinking about ge uh, revenue generating opportunities, thinking about, um, you know, how to engage with customers in different ways. Or even if you're the accountant, well, you know, using your accountant skills uh, in, in a more meaningful way. And it, it must help then in terms of, like you say, one, there's an environmental thing, I suppose, of it becomes more digitized as people move away from paper or, or start to scan. But it must help you then visualize some of those things because you're putting that data into the platform. So are there various visualizations that people can see around spend and type of product and all those types of things or type of supplier? Exactly. So because we digitize to such a detailed level, you know, we go down to the item level, we're able to show exactly as you say, Simon, so reports on how much you're spending per product, per category of products, uh, per supplier, per outlet. And so you have, I mean, th this is one of the biggest benefits of food raisers that you gain uh, a lot more transparency and insight into your own company, into your own spending. 
And that there must be some surprises in there for some of the organisations you work with then of how much they do spend on particular items or particular products. Have, are there any kind of stories that you can share where by bringing all that data together in a platform, people have been surprised or have done something differently with it? So there, there's two two stories there. So one is that, yes, the, this data is quite valuable in and of itself, right? So if you're looking at, at that spending and thinking, wow, I, I sure I'm spending a lot of money on this one particular ingredient, you, um, you actually can go into trying to understand what your spending patterns are, right? Um, is there any opportunity to increase those orders so that you're getting more economies of scale? So that your unit price is is cheaper, or is there you know if if you really are spending on one particular product more than you realize, then you might be tempted to look for, so for a different supplier who might provide that at kind of a, a much more uh, affordable price. But um, you know, data in and of itself is I, I I personally believe it's only so valuable to the uh, to the users, right? To the to the restaurant managers, to the chefs. Why? Because there's a lot of it, and so you know the, these product uh, spending reports, for instance, they can be quite extensive unless you're looking for something specific. Restaurants have uh, hundreds, uh, have thousands of products, even right. So all that data is not necessarily going to be helpful because it's just too much of it. And, and if you're not willing to dedicate the time, then, then you're not making use of it. So what, what we're trying to do is, you know, uh, not just provide the data, but provide the insights as well. So one particular insight that um, I'm thinking about is the price alert. And this is very simple. The price alert uh, just sends you a notification whenever the price of one ingredient of like one particular product increases relative to the previous invoice, right? And so, and you can, and you can set the sensitivity of, of that, like you can be 1% increase or even 20% increase, right? Um, so, so for example, for steak, which is going to be relatively more expensive, you might want to be more sensitive to it and so on. But then that, that alert is coming to you. So you don't have to look, you don't have to sift through the thousands of products that you have. You can just focus on the ones that require you know, a little bit more of your attention. And, and some of these price alerts come about for basically two reasons. One, um, it's, it's, not, it's not that anyone is trying to, to screw anyone over. It, it could be just a clerical, cler, clerical error, right? Someone, uh, these invoices are often generated manually by the supplier. So maybe the decimal point uh, is, on, is behind the wrong zero. Uh, and sometimes the suppliers, I think they generally try to alert whenever there's a price increase, but sometimes they forget or they, they prioritize maybe larger players over smaller ones. And, and, and yeah, they, they never get to hear about it. So it's a chance for them for this price alert. It, you know, it alerts you and, and it allows you to take immediate action. So this is an example of how an insight rather than just the data itself can help the, the restaurants. No, I like that. And it must set you up then for some really creative future opportunities. So you've got this nice, let's call it foundation level. We're digitizing things. We're building a data set uh, across all your clients, but for those clients individually, and like you say, looking at things like price sensitivity. But what things are in your mind around where this then leads next? We're seeing you know, lots of things, certainly in the UK at the moment, around sustainability, reducing carbon footprint, doing something different with waste or all those kind of things on your mind about where you could take it? 
Absolutely. So, uh, you know, with because we capture all of the cost data, we're basically calculating all the ingredients that are coming in, right? And so as soon as we start connecting that to the sales data, which is the, the data that is in the in the POS, the point of sale system, uh, we can start actually automating certain uh, uh, certain things like inventory management, right? So we know what is coming in and we know what is going out. And this is actually, I, I have to say, this isn't the most obvious thing to do because what comes in is in terms of ingredients. Um, and then what comes out is in terms of like dishes and, and food. And so you have to be able to understand how you connect the, the ingredients to the food. And that's obviously through the recipes, right? But you need to kind of connect all those things together. But once you have that, uh, yeah, you, you can do things like um, calculate your expected inventory, right? So you, you, you're able to calculate in an automated way um, how much you should have in the pantry. And that is important for two reasons. Well, for, for many reasons. One of the reasons is that usually this takes a lot of time. So again, massive operational efficiencies. But another reason to your to your question is by automatically by automatically calculating what should be there when people do the stock take, it's a lot easier and faster for them to calculate how much is being wasted by you know just subtracting how much should be there from how much is actually there. And so the, the, that remainder is going to be how much was uh, wasted, pilfered, well, you know. The, there's different reasons for that. And so that allows you, that's kind of the next thing that, that we, we might be able to help with on, in terms of that sustainability angle, which again is going to make business sense for those restaurants, right? I mean, that, that is all that wastage is, is cost that is being, that is being added on. And you, because you're understanding or have a history of items ordered at, at that granular level, again, potentially you could maybe start to do some predictive stuff. So based on your order history, these are the predicted number of cucumbers, lettuces we think you should order. Is, again, is that some of the stuff you're starting to think about? Yeah, I mean, for, of course, again, probably what would make more sense is to be connecting that with the POS data, the, the POS data, so that the purchasing can be a bit more demand-driven. So of course, our own predictive, our our own uh, cost data, or the one that we have from our customers, is going to be a proxy for how much is actually being demanded, right? And it, it can be quite cyclical. But having marrying our data with the POS data, I think, is going to be really, really powerful for things just like that. So how much should they be ordering, and how much should they be producing? Um, because that that optimal order quantity and optimal production quantity require the demand information and the supply information. So you could you could get into almost production planning as well then? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, because by understanding even just how much you're making, how much margin you're making on one particular ingredient over other, you might want to change a little bit of your of how you prioritize production. You might be wanting to make more of this and, and less of that. And also, again, you know, um, how much are you, how much, how can you, uh, this this will also help you minimize that that waste, right? So that you're not overproducing uh, a certain number of, of food products that eventually just remain unsold and are actually eating into your margins. That makes sense. And what kind of um, model do you work on from a, a, a subscription model? Uh, is it an on-premise? Is it all based in the cloud? How does all that kind of stuff work? 
So we're totally cloud-based, yep. Uh, we have a, a web application, meaning you can access it from any device, your computer, your your phone, your tablet, without having to download any any kind of application or install anything. So, and, and we try and make it very easy to use, right? Um, chefs did not get into the, chefs are not chefs because they want to be tech wizards and have to spend too much time in different applications. So we just say, look, upload, upload the invoice. We'll take care of the rest. Just sit back and, and, and watch all that, all that magic happen. We'll, we'll even alert you so you don't have to come back to, to food razor if you don't want to. Um, we'll just send those alerts straight to you. We operate on uh, a monthly subscription uh, model. Uh, we try and, and make it as, as fair to the restaurants as we can and as flexible for the restaurants as we can. And I think that's the right thing to do, especially at a time like this. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, uh, here in, in Singapore, we've gone on and we've had on and off lockdowns since since last year. And during that time, some of the restaurants have paused the subscription uh, because restaurants were closed. And, you know, they're like, well, we, we had they're like, we have no invoices, Alf. Like, we can't we don't we don't need to use the service. So, OK, very well. You, you pause the service. And then sure enough, once the restaurants open again, they, they come back on their own. And, and they reactivate that subscription. So, you know, it, it helps to, to it helps their business as well. Yeah, and it sounds, sounds like a fair approach to everybody. And you, you service restaurants all over the world as well, don't you? So it's not just Singapore and uh, Australia, New Zealand. You've got clients all over the world. That's right. Um, I think since we last spoke, we've opened up in at least one more market. We are now in, in 11 markets. So, yeah, Australia, New Zealand, of course, Singapore, um, Ireland, uh, the UK, US, Canada. We even have some uh, some bakeries in Iceland who are who are using us. It's quite that's quite interesting. Amazing. And if people are interested and maybe want to look at the product, clearly we'll put some links to the website in the show notes. But is the best thing for them to get in touch with you? How does that kind of um, look, feel, try, and process work? Absolutely. Um, you know, please do give us a try. There's definitely a free trial that people can can experiment and play with. Uh, you know, go on to foodraiser.com. You'll see you'll see the button there, and you can start up- uploading invoices. You can you have a, a few invoice credits that you can so you can see how accurate we wa- we are, and also um, how you can interact with our amazing team, which I think I think is important. Um, the product is great, but of course, I think a lot of F&B businesses will have some questions about, you know, what are the kind of changes that they'll have to make? Uh, if something goes wrong, is there someone there to help me? And of course, the answer to that to that last question is yes, we're here to help. And um, we're, we're usually on a first name basis with, with our customers. They know who we are. We know who they are. And, and we really want to help them uh, stay in business and, and become more and more profitable. Tell us a bit about the team. How how big is the team now, and what kind of roles have you got there? We're pretty lean. Uh, we've got um, two people working. I guess more for the, the business would want to know. We've got uh, Julian and Lynn. Uh, they're amazing. They're our customer success team, and, and they're always uh, supporting uh, all all of our customers. Um, otherwise, we're a pretty small team. We've got um, one one consultant. Uh, someone in marketing, and then two two tech teams. Uh, sorry, two uh, two tech engineers. That's my that's my tech team. Um, we operate mainly out of Singapore, although we 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 do have some some of our staff kind of scattered around the world. Uh, 
and then finally myself as the the CEO and uh, you know leader of leader of the pack. Amazing, good stuff. So I mean, the, the story is really clear for me in terms of some of the stuff you're doing, redirecting that manpower resource into areas that kind of can can drive more sales or make more dishes. Really like the kind of pl- price fluctuation check-ins and notifications because maybe they those go under the radar a lot of the time just because as you say people are busy and there's lots of paper going around and some of those things you're thinking about for the future again wrapping it all around to more demand planning um looking at that waste sustainability angle i think it you know gives it a really rounded feel so for me i've got one more one more question for you i've got two actually so of, of all the places you've lived where where's the one you felt most at home because it struck me you've kind of lived pretty much all the way around the world. I have to say, um, as, as much as I love Singapore, uh, I think my heart belongs to Tokyo. Um, I, I think it is a fantastic place. Japan is an awesome uh, place to, to be. And there's actually a lot. It's a really a place where you can be yourself. So no matter uh, who you are or, or you know, what, what kind of, what, what you're into in terms of, of your hobbies and your interests, there is a community for you. Uh, whether it's, you know, yo-yo, whether it's triathlon, which is something that I'm, I'm into, um, you know, or, or, or books or trains, whatever, there's, there's a community that is ready to welcome you and, and, and make you feel like part of a collective. I think that's an amazing feeling. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere I, I, funny you say that because it was actually on the telly last night. They always have the shot of the, the square, don't they? And everybody kind of walking across the through the traffic. And um, every time I see it, it's on my, my list of places to visit. I think it's getting closer and closer to the top. So, um, yeah, good good to hear that, um, yeah, my list sounds like it's in a good place of places to visit. And then final one from me, you've clearly worked in lots of businesses lots of places around the world uh, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given oh, oh goodness the best bit of business advice i think it, it it's not it's not the sexiest piece of advice but i have to say one thing that i've learned working in startups is that cash is king and this applies to definitely to my startup, but also to any startup and any company. Uh, managers and leaders will be concerned about cash for reasons that you know they have to they have to make uh, salary payments. They have to make sure that the business is sustainable, and I think that is a very important consideration when you are talking to other businesses to under when you're when you're negotiating or when you're trying to set up a partnership. That is going to be something that they they'll always be thinking about. Um, it's it's a very real consideration, no matter if you're a very small team like us of six or a larger like multinational of sixty thousand. I, I would say remember that cash is king, and that that really really matters. Good, we've not had that one before, so it's another one another one to add to the the set of best business advice. Like I like that one. It's good. <laughs> good very good well listen alf it's been uh, it's been great to chat and get to know you in the conversations you've had prior to the the podcast and setup and wish you all the success in the future i say we'll put a link to the website and uh, your linkedin profile in the show notes so people can easily find you thanks for coming on excellent thank you simon <laughs>